Welcome back to Through the Pines, a financial planning podcast with the down-to-earth vibe even Sasquatch would subscribe to Spotify for. This is Through the Pines. What 75 years of the financial industry has taught us, I am not included. That would be our guests. So combined, they have 75 years experience in the financial industry. Please welcome Rex Baxter, Brandon Smith, and Dan Nelson. Thanks so much for joining us uh, today. We're going to cover some of the mistakes, myths, technology, advice that you guys have learned by you know working every day in the financial industry for 75 years. Rex, how long have you been in the industry yourself? Just under 25 years. So I started in the okay. uh, kind of late 90s, 97. 97, just you alone, what's, what's one thing that you've noticed or a trend or something that stands out to you the most over the years? That, uh, man, there's a lot of them. To, to make one, one, on one. one. <laughs> that the market has an amazing ability to make a full out of the maximum amount of people at any given point in time. Wait, uh, wait. So all the people on TV are full of crap, all the pundits, all the financial gurus. Full full of crap is a big word, but (laughs) but I would say nobody can predict the future. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right, Dan, uh, you've been in the industry now for how long? Uh, 40 years. 40 years. So a couple years longer than, than Rex. Yeah. What, what's yeah. one thing you've noticed? What's a big change that you've seen over the years? Well, I've seen lots of change. I mean, when we started in the business in 1980, when I started, uh, we basically had no computers. And mm-hmm. so we had a little Corcoran machine and everybody knows about the ticker tape that they used to see years ago, but everything was done on paper. But the biggest mistake, the question you ask, the biggest mistake that I've seen over the years is emotion takes over at the worst time in the markets and people make mistakes. In other words, they they sell low and they buy high. But Dan, they That's, lost a lot of money. And so why do people make they don't do they even call you know you know their planner? Like what happens where they just sort of like I just suddenly sell? This is the most important thing about a, the advice that we give as a, as a pool financial planner, as an advisor. We can help guide and calm uh, the most nervous in the periods of time when they should be buying because we're near the bottom of the market versus selling when they're scared and yeah. fear is taking over. So that's, that's the biggest, I think, the biggest advantage that you have out there by working with a professional can help you make those decisions at the right time. Yeah, I have countless, hundreds of examples over the last few years. Very good. Uh, Brandon, how long have you been in the industry and what's one of the biggest mistakes you've seen or one of the biggest things you've, you've learned in your time in the financial industry? Yeah. 11 years in the industry and, and, knowing what you know and knowing what is speculation and, and, and really deciphering between those two. I, you know, we work with clients and, you know, sometimes people like to take bets and that's all right. As long as you understand it's a bet and not, and not a, a calculated risk. Right. And, and, and that's one thing we try to help people do is, is help them understand what we can count on. And as far as long-term trends and, and, and what we can plan for, 
versus what is maybe just, you know, a hunch. And, yeah. and if you can really distinguish those two, it, it, it helps a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot has changed over 30, 40 years, but a lot has changed in the last four, three, two years because we now have Coinbase products um, in, in the industry. Dan, did you see any of this coming? Uh, something called Coinbase? No. Yeah. Never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, different types of currency. We always had the gold standard. Yeah. Always had the dollar. Uh, currency was a commodity, just like uh, pork bellies or corn or or anything like that. Uh, we had commodities, uh, but no, did yeah. not predict Coinbase. And then, how many times are you talking with a client and they say, "Yeah, but I use this software, or I'm my program tells me this," and I think you know, like, how often do you run into something like that? Uh, often, uh, yeah. you know, one, one of the things that in the last podcast I think I talked about. The fact that 40 years ago, we, we had two services, which was information and execution. Those are both free. In fact, information is 24-7. You can watch uh, a program like CNBC and get four different opinions in a half an hour. Yeah. Four different opinions <laughs> in a half an hour. Yeah. Talk about confusing the American public. So it's a, a real important that you have uh, guidance or direction or have some help, uh, a calm mind a calm uh, person uh, an advisor to uh, check in with and say what do you think about this or what do you think about this and get a second or third opinion for sure is there is there a piece of technology that you use now that helps you in your day-to-day -day work when, when when working with clients uh besides a laptop and a phone yeah the phone, a phone. yeah 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 the, the technology today is dramatically so so dramatically different and so up to date and uh the information is instant around the world mm -hmm. it used to be that uh, there was a hurricane even on the east coast like we had in new orleans you wouldn't know about it until the nightly news okay uh, or if it was in europe or some other part of the world it would be two or three days before you know about it. isn't that wild? today yeah. today you know about it right now right instantly right Rex, uh, technology's changed over the years. I mean, 75 years experience between the three of you in the industry. Are there apps that you suggest people use? Are there things that, you know, you suggest that clients can go to uh, now in 2021? Like what, what's some of the, the bigger changes that you've seen as far as technology goes? Well, I mean, not, you know, I, I think the most important app anybody can use is the Ameriprise app, Brandon. <laughs> 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 oh really? Oh really? The show is sponsored by Ameriprise. <laughs> really, it's not. But so, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not. But there's a shameless plug. Yeah. Right? Um, so but we they do we have an app. Work yeah. at Ameriprise, and and we do have an app. I I think there's a lot of amazing apps um, yeah. that are out there. Whether it's a news app, whether it's calculator apps, um, you know, whether it's aggregating your your accounts and investments so that you can see them all in one place at one time, you know, and so I, I think there's, there's a lot of amazing apps that are out there. And, and at some yeah. point we may want to do a podcast on, on financial apps. That might be interesting yeah. to, to do something like I that. Mean, but. I mean, the kids are using them, Rex, you know, the, and they're using a lot of them. And one of my favorite ones I see getting used the most is the one that just takes your excess change on a purchase and throws it into an account. And it's a great way to invest a little bit at a time. 
Yeah, I think it was was it Ashton Kutcher that started that, that with oh, the was Acorns that his? And, yeah. and started. Yeah, Acorn. Yeah, I Acorn. think so. I yeah, think he was probably. one of the first investors in that, if I remember right. But but I think it's a big deal because instead mm-hmm. of you know throwing your coins, your extra change into a coffee pot, you know, like our grandparents or something like that. Now we're throwing them into fractional shares of stock or fractional shares of investments. And and I think the the one thing that's been interesting to me in, in regards to that is it's gotten the, the millennial generation to become really good savers. Contrary to popular belief, the millennials are, are phenomenal savers. Now, I'm not sure that they're great investors and I'm not sure that they're great at taking advice and, and some other areas just yet. And and we could debate that left and right. But I you know, everything that I look at and see is they're doing a great job of, of keeping the debt down and keeping the savings up, which is impressive. Yeah, I think they have more access to information, which is good. There's more places to learn. So absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right, Brandon, what technology have you seen in your, you know, 11 years of experience? Um, it's crazy how fast things change because, I mean, even Facebook was was just fairly new 11 years ago. You know, so so it's I mean, a lot has changed in the last ten years. Yeah, it, and and with the planning software, I mean, I you know it used to be back in the day, a financial plan was done kind of at a ten thousand foot level, right? You take the amount of assets, you take a distribution rate, and you kind of run some calculations. Say, I think you can you can retire in about this. Um, I I can't tell you how many you know, engineer type minds I've, I've met with who have built out Excel spreadsheets, right? And they have, they have categorized every asset they own, they project it in the future, they're trying to run like the inflation and all that, all those things, which is highly commendable. I'm so jealous um, of those people. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, every time that I've met with someone like that, we show them our software that not only takes and projects the asset, but projects it with with inflation, with with uh, different rates of return in the market, with tax rates, with penalties, with social security, with Roth conversions, with all of the different aspects, every time without fail, they, they just kind of take the Excel spreadsheet and say, "Yeah, this is awesome for a million things, but not financial planning." Now, I'm not I'm not saying you couldn't build a financial plan off of an Excel spreadsheet, um, but to do it right would take. I don't, probably thousands of hours and, and the odds of you not yeah. messing well, up. Well, that's why I haven't learned, you know, yet. That's, I don't have mine ready for, for sure. Maybe it's because I don't have the assets. We won't go into that. I don't know. But yeah, uh, that's interesting. So so the software that, you know, you've seen developed in the industry uh, is powerful. Oh, so powerful and yeah. so cool too. Yeah. I mean, we can build a financial plan for a client and then virtually walk them all the way around their financial plan and see it from different angles, see it in different scenarios, see it doing different life paths, right? And, and really show them and help them feel so comfortable and confident in where they're at and the future. Whereas before it, it seemed to be more of just a, a vague calculation with a rough estimate of how much you can take out of your account. Those calculators are all over the internet too, right? You can always just go into the internet and type in this stuff and and it's totally going to work because I'm totally going to stick to the plan and then you never do. Um, But, but does the software also include uh, debt and debt payoff type uh, information? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool. I mean, we, we will show every dollar that you'll receive and every dollar that you're going to spend between now and your age 100. 
huh. and project that out. And, and it is, it's really fun, especially for the numbers oriented people, but even for people who aren't numbers oriented to be able to look at that and, and see, you know, what do my retirement accounts look like when I'm 70, 75, 80 years old, right? And what does it, how does it change if I take social security at 62 versus 70 and, and showing them all those things is, is really neat. The, the software on four on like the free softwares out there for financial planning are great. We use them with our 401k plans to help people kind of get that general idea. Um, but then when it comes down to determining, you know, what age do I file for social security? Do I need to be, you know, con converting Roths over? Do I need, what distribution rate will I be taking? That gets typically far more complex than most of those calculators can handle. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those are things we don't, we don't think about necessarily. Uh, so this is Through the Pines, and we are listening to 75 years of experience in the financial industry featuring Rex Baxter, Dan Nelson, and Brandon Smith. Rex, what is the one piece of advice that you tend to give the most when you talk to clients? I think the most important is start early, right? And so that, that certainly helps as far as starting early to, to save and invest and getting their kids to start early. But I think the most important um, advice is is be open to receiving advice be open to listening to the professionals that that are around you and trying to help you and guide you towards your goals and and so i think that that's the most important piece well, i wouldn't there. have thought about that do you run into stubborn people do, do people think they know better than you you I, only absolutely. have 20 30 years in the industry but they have the internet. And so, <laughs> you know, true. I mean, true. And the internet, internet knows geniuses. all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, a barber. and, a, and a barber and an uncle. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and my, my brother and my, yeah, somebody so-and-so says, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't think about that. So is it hard to get people to trust you then with advice? I, I think it depends on the personality, right? We, we have some that, that are very open and very trusting because they're a lot of our clients come from, from referrals. Right. And mm -hmm. so, you know, they're, they're listening to, you know, their, their parents or, or they're listening to their kids and saying, who should I, who should I talk to? And then they come to us. And so you get that, that, you know, level of, of assumed trust or borrowed trust that so-and-so referred me, I trust them, therefore I trust you. Mm -hmm. um, and so with a lot of our clients, that that's not too big of an issue, but then you get some that have, have been burned in life, whether it be in the financial markets or they've been, you know, subject to a fraud or, or even in their personal life, in their, in their personal relationships to where somebody has broken that trust and, Oh my goodness. That's well, I so mean, hard to get back. You were working with my, with my daughter and I, and I, and she, there was some trust. Like she's like, where, what are you going to do with my money? And, and right. it's, it's her first job. It's her first, you know, that's, <laughs> we're not talking millions of dollars here. Right. Like, but it, but to her, it was millions of dollars. And so there you had to build trust. Yeah. And I think you find that a lot because I think yeah. the, the baby boomer generation is kind of a do it yourself generation. Mm. And so even though the millennials are very good savers, they've kind of borrowed that mistrust of, of people giving them advice from their parents in the baby boomer generation. And so it's been interesting to kind of see that dynamic um, kind of pass from one generation to the next a little bit. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. But I, I think as long as, as long as you're compensating an advisor 
in a way that's in your best interest, then then there should you should build a lot of trust. And so, you know, our our average client's age, I think Dan's, mine, Brandon's, I, you know, our clients stay with us for a long, long time. We have an, you know, just an enormous retention rate because they do trust us and because we do give good advice and we build very strong relationships with those clients over the years. Yeah. And if you're curious, that's a good plug, Rex, by the way, planwithbaxter.com for more information. Um, Dan, you've been in the industry longer than these two young bucks over here. Is there, is there something that has stayed with you throughout the years? Um, is there a piece of advice that you've given like when you started and you still give it today? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, one of the things I think is important is not only start early, like Rex just said, but be consistent about it. Uh, don't start and stop for 20 years and try and start over again. Be consistent about it and over a period of years, continue to save money. I used to tell people all the time that if you make $100, you know, just, and I tell my kids this, plan on you the fact that you're really only going to keep about 50 cents or, I mean, I'm sorry, $50 out of the 100. Yeah. Okay. Because of taxes, uh, 401k contributions, other donations, other things that you might be doing. So, don't plan on living on that $100. Plan on living your life on that $50. So be consistent about saving. And Dan, that. Dan, that is not fun. That is not, <laughs> not fun. I, I got some, my son-in-laws, I got some very uh, odd looks when I was sitting down and talking to them before they got married to my daughters. Um, <laughs> so whatever you think you're going to make, cut yeah. in half. Yeah. And that's what you're really going to make. Yeah. And live your life that way. Yeah. And then you won't be living your life on credit cards and other high, high income, high debt. Have you, Dan, yeah. have you noticed that people are learning this now, now in more places? Because I mean, I, I didn't, I never learned that, you know, like if someone doesn't go to a financial advisor, where do they learn this? You know, they should be learning it in school. They, yeah. they take finance classes. Uh, you, you talk about these types of things. There is the millennials. There is a lot of information out there on the internet talking about this type of thing. The thing I con I'm concerned about the millennials is that they are savers. They're saving money and they're learning a lot and they're investing, maybe not consistently investing. And it might be more speculating than investing, but there is a lot of speculation out there. And the other thing I get concerned about is that I think a lot of people confuse a bull, a raging bull market with brains. So if you're in a raging bull market yeah. for seven or eight or nine years, you can basically throw a dart and make money in the market. Uh, and some people think that, that I'm the smartest person in the world because I'm making a lot of money in the stock market. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have we have bear markets, we have down markets and, and corrections. And that's when uh, that's when we really earn our money as advisors to try and keep it consistent with our clients and our prospects to make sure they stay involved, stay invested, and um, we'll ride it out for the long term as an investor, as opposed to a speculator. Yeah. Brandon, what's the best piece of advice you've been giving your clients as of late? Kind of along the lines of Rex is, is I think your, comp your compensation and the incentives matter are you paying your advisor such that when your accounts increase that their compensation increases or are you paying them all up front 
right? And and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, and I think you'd be surprised how often I come across people or, or any, how often people just have no idea how much they're paying their financial advisor. Mm. If you don't know how much you're paying your financial advisor, that that's probably an issue, right? Yeah. You, you should know how, why, how they're getting compensated and for what they are getting compensated. When you line that up and structure it such that, you know, I am incentivized to help your account grow, it, it just tends to have a, a better outcome. I, I, I like to compare it to, you know, shopping for cars. If you go into a used car lot or, or any car lot for that matter, I mean, what are the odds that, that the car salesperson is going to come to you and say, hey, you know what, I, I know you're, you're here, but you really ought to go to the lot next door. They've got some nicer cars that, that you're going to like, right? Like that's just not going to happen. However, if you had someone that was with you, right, a fiduciary that was paid to help you find a car rather than paid to just sell you certain cars, um, they would go with you and look at the mechanics of the car. Um, and then if they were compensated, if that car did well for you long term, the odds of you getting sold a better car are dramatically higher. And, and unfortunately, the car industry doesn't really have that, or at least it's not very <laughs> prominent. But in the financial world, that, that's the thing, right? Mm. You can choose how you want to pay your financial advisor. And if you choose someone that is a fiduciary, right, that gets compensated and, and your interests are aligned and you're sitting at the same side of the table, you, you're far more likely to have a better outcome. So Dan said, plan on living off of basically 50% of your income. And to me, that's suffering. Um, and so <laughs> what is the difference between suffer, suffering and sacrificing for the better good and to have some good financial success later? So I, I threw this one out there. That, that was my, my comment. Um, I, I've often come across people who are suffering, but not sacrificing. And there, there is a huge difference, right? That there's really two two big examples and, and probably hundreds, but but two main ones come to mind. And and one is, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who have told me, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get a mortgage. I'm going to buy my house cash, or you know, I'm I'm not going to you know get a, a basic you know conventional loan. I'm going to come up with a full twenty per twenty percent down on on the house. And and I look at it, I'm like, well, that's nice, but you're how long is that going to take you? Right? You're going to suffer and pay rent for years and years and years. Meanwhile, house prices appreciate um, and you're gonna find your, you're gonna suffer and, and, and sacrifice, but you're not actually going to reap the benefits of it. And so that's like the housing one. And, and then also retirement planning. You know, people like, I'm just gonna work till 70. Mm. And, and that's great, right? If you wanna work till 70, that's fine. Um, but why, right? Like mm. what, you need to understand what you're giving up and what you're receiving in return. And, and that's where financial planning can help, right? Is, is we yeah. can help you truly understand, are you just suffering <laughs> or, or are you sacrificing with purpose, understanding what you're giving up today in order to receive something greater in the future? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, Rex, what, why do people, when they, as soon as second they get a raise in income, just like raise their level of spending? I mean, oh I, we know gosh, the answer. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to do that? Uh, well, I know. I know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> hell yeah, new car. Here we come. Just like new Brandon car, said, I'm going to Vegas. Sacrifice no more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it never goes into savings. Like, why are we like that? So not only does it not go into savings, right? But people spend it before they get the raise. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even my son, right? He's coming to me here today and he's like, hey, dad, dad, I'm going to get a raise in November. (laughs) And and so next thing I know, he comes with a new guitar. You know, he's got a brand new (laughs) guitar already. And I'm like, no, wait, you're not getting your raise for three months. (laughs) You know? Oh, so Rex, I, I mean, love I love that you can't even train your own kids. This is fantastic. Yeah. Oh man. Just, yeah, yeah. I, am, I am absolutely the the shoemaker that can't do his own. You know, I mean, all those kinds of examples. Uh, no, your daughter's done really kids. well. Yeah, yeah. It helps. Yeah. I have seven kids, and so I, I've got probably a kid example for about every situation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so you know, we we can just share kid examples. But I think I think the reality is that that people people want the immediate satisfaction of, of kind of the now movement and the now generation, right? I don't want to wait for that gratification for when I'm 60 or 65, it's too far off. What if I die tomorrow? What if, you know, and, and so we always hear life is too short. I need to, to live today. And the reality is that you need to, to live balance, mm, right? I mean, yeah. if you live everything for today, what happens if you do live until tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And and then you don't have any of the assets. But Rex, you, but you that's remember something that we see all the time when we were young, and we were young when we were skinny last week. Uh, yeah. Yep. And Two you, weeks. Yep. Yeah. And you had hair, so there's that. Yeah. 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 Remember that? that. Uh, and we both had jeeps. We both had jeeps. Yeah. Um, and I had a jeep, a bullet bike, and sort of and a sports car. I think I was like I twenty, twenty one. Do you remember that? I yeah. remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, the three on the tree Jeep. Three on right? yes, three on the tree Jeep. Um yep. man, I thought that was living, you know, but I couldn't I didn't have a dime in savings at all. Uh but had so, I put so money I in the bank. When you had all three of those, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I know you'll get on with your example, but you had all three of those. And it seemed like we were going to California for a trip with the friends. Yeah. And you're like, Yeah, I can't go. I, I don't go. have any money. I don't have any money. <laughs> you know, I got no I'm money. Broke. Yeah, I'm broke. I'm broke. Balance. That's what you're getting at is balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hey, Dan, what what what's your best advice when it comes to building an emergency fund? How much should people have? And, you know, how do they how do they save for it? What's 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 what have you learned over the years? It goes back to the living on 50 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And 10 10% of that should be a savings for an emergency fund. So that's uh, 30% goes to taxes, uh, 10% goes to uh, maybe a charitable uh, organization, and the other 10% should be paying yourself mm-hmm. for savings, emergency savings. That's the key. But what if people have so much spending that they, it's hard for them to save that much? Now they got to pay down some debt. Yeah. That is, that is typical of most. Mm. Um, it's not easy. And um, so you start with 5% or 3% or 2% and you work on that to get that a little bit better. Uh-oh. Rex has something to, Rex's hand is up so, here. Yeah. So Dan, with 40 years of experience, let me put you on the spot. Saving for an emergency fund out of that 50 cents on the dollar or 401k match with that 50 cents on the dollar. Where, where do you lie out of curiosity between those two? Uh, 5% for savings and 5% enough in the 401k to get the full match so Always. whatever your match is from your company get the full max and then the rest goes into a savings account yeah i'd completely agree with that max the match is that right yep hashtag sure. max yep. the match yeah okay and then dan what's your advice when you run, you run into people and they 
they might even have uh, high earnings, but they also have high credit card debt. Uh, everyone knows, you know, famous uh, Dave Ramsey and see what, what's your sure. advice to getting people, helping people reduce their credit card debt? That's the key to, uh, uh, like Brandon has been talking about financial advisors. I need to do financial plans with the clients. Mm -hmm. If you are doing a full financial plan with your client, that comes out mm. and it becomes very obvious in the discussion that that is the worst kind of debt and that the first thing we need to do is take care of this debt over a little bit over time. You can't do everything. It's got to be balanced, which can't do it all at once, but you need to take care of that debt and get rid of those credit cards and start cutting them up. Yeah. One a person should have a couple of credit cards at the most and, and, and they should be living their life based on what they're earning. And then those who like, yeah, but I just need the airline miles. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's my two cards. I have one yeah. for airline and yeah. one for hotels. So yeah. there you go. Need yeah. the airline miles. Uh, Brandon, have you seen that people are closer to retirement than they than they think they are sometimes? Yeah, almost always. Really? You know, and, and yeah, and it's I, I, I think that's one of the reasons I love my job is, is when, when we sit down and do a financial plan, I mean, nine times out of 10, if not more, people walk out and they're just like, wow. And, and, and it's not always that, yes, we're ready to retire, but typically, right, people who are like, oh, I haven't saved, I'm a little bit late to the game. Uh, sure, they're late to the game, but, but when you really dig into a plan, I, I mean, for easy numbers, let's say someone's making $100,000 a year. Right. They, they look at that. They might have, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars in savings. And they're looking at like, cool, a simple math says that lasts me two to three years. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and but the reality is, is they're not spending all of it. In fact, while you're working, your taxes are typically higher. A lot of times there's a mortgage that will get paid off by retirement or maybe a little bit into retirement and then go away. Hopefully they're saving a little bit into 401k that won't be happening in retirement. And, and so when you back out the taxes, the savings, the mortgage, you realize that you're actually living on a lot less uh, than you actually, than your take home income. Then you pair that with in, in retirement, we got social security that kicks in. If a spouse, even if they're married, right? And one's been working, one's been staying home with the kids, that spouse can take half of the other benefit while they're living, right? And so you get one, two social security benefits kicking in, in addition to reduced taxes, reduced savings, loss of a mortgage. And the picture actually starts to typically come together a lot better hmm. than people than people really initially anticipate. What's the average amount um, that people are hoping to retire with right now? Is it, I mean, because it used to be, oh, if I was a millionaire, I'm going to be loaded. Is it closer to 2 million now? What What's like, where are people sitting these days? It, it is so relative. This is so relative. Rex is depends. Income. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I know, I know you hate the it depends answer, but it is. I mean, yeah. do you have pension income? How much social security income are we receiving? Um, I mean, literally it, it's uh, in Utah, you see a lot of people, you know, with, with a few, a few hundred thousand dollars clear up to, you know, one, one and a half, two million dollars, right? And so that's kind of a range. But but you can typically retire in Utah pretty well with with you know a few hundred thousand dollars and 
it typically, I mean, it just depends, right? Yeah. It really, I shouldn't even throw yeah. numbers out there because it really depends on what you're used to living on, yeah. right? If you're used to living on an income of $50,000 a year, your savings is a lot less than if you're used to living on a hundred or 200,000 a year. And then this is, this is kind of an odd question. I just thought of it, but, um, cause when you're retired, do you need, do you need to be adding to savings? Cause you know what I mean? You're, you're spending it instead, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and for that's a, that's a fantastic question. And one we try and help our clients understand is, is I'll project that, right? I told you, we, we project each year cash flow, and I'll fast forward and say, now that we're in retirement, this is what income looks like. We're pulling this much from social security. We're pulling this much out of the IRAs and 401ks. And, and then we'll set that up for clients as they get into retirement, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where they're, they'll have $2,000 a month automatically just hitting their bank, right? And in addition to that, they've got money from Social Security hitting their bank. And, and we're trying to hit that target, right, to help them essentially replace that same check they're used to getting, you know, every two weeks. It's just replaced with Social Security and, and, and retirement account distributions, sometimes pension income. Yeah. Hey, Rex, um, besides not starting early, where do people go wrong with their finances? I think that I, I think two things. I think one is the the I want some of that um, mentality, and so something that has doubled, right? All of a sudden, everybody wants it, right? Because it's done so well. <laughs> so you know, they, uh, they tend to do the exact opposite. Yeah, Bitcoin of what they should or something doing. or something, right? Like, yeah, whatever right. the new some, trend something, is. Yeah. Right, whatever the new fad is, and whatever's gone up so drastically that that's when it's interesting because there's study after study that looks at uh, money flows on, on different mutual funds. I think Fidelity has studies, Vanguard has studies, things like that. And, and traditionally the mutual funds that get the most money flowing into them happens to be whatever fund did the best the previous year. Mm. Right. And so people are notoriously buying high on those funds as opposed to a good diversified portfolio and then rebalancing the beautiful you know thing about rebalancing is it forces you to sell high to sell what's what's done well and it forces you to buy the underperforming areas of the market mm-hmm. and so i think you know when i think about what do people do wrong and and you know what you know if they're not being helped by an advisor i think it's the you know, following the herd mentality of of everybody wants ABC stock or wants some digital currency or something because because it's gone up and yet they don't understand why they don't understand behind it and so they're just following the crowd and and notoriously that puts them in a bad spot. So yeah, because if you're talking with your buddy at, at your job and or whatever you know you do and they say yeah, but do you own Tesla and you say no, then you look bad. Yeah, well, and it's funny because people do that all the time, and their yeah. their ego. What what was it? Was it Top Gun to where his, his ego's writing checks, his body can't cash, or whatever <laughs> whatever that was, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, same thing with investing, right? Yeah. Is is people's people's ego like, oh my gosh, my neighbor has this digital currency, and it sounds like it's so good, and yet everybody brags about their winners and is silent and crickets on their losers. 
typically. Well, yeah, uh, I do like it when people brag about how much they lost. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, which, which is fun because then you're like, aha, aha, and we don't always right. win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how uh, often do they tell you? <laughs> not very often. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, uh, yeah. Brandon, what um, – we should we ask some more numbers? We got numbers, right, for this uh, podcast? Yeah, let's go over you some numbers. It. We like so to call this segment "S'more Numbers" with Brandon Smith. So a little bit uh, away from the financial topic, but but this one the is interesting. Um, IHS Market did a study, and they said the average car on the road in the U.S. at the end of 2020 was 12.8 years old up from 10.2 years old at the end of 2005. Mm. So, and, and I don't know, we always like to interpret what that means. It means, I guess, <laughs> I don't know that cars are lasting longer or built better so much as maybe people were worried about not being able to buy new cars or worried about pandemic stuff. And they, instead of buying a new car, they held on to their old one or they couldn't buy cars. Cause I mean, car lots have about a fifth of the cars, on the lot that they used to have um, just from production issues. And so, so people are fixing their cars. I guess that's good news for car mechanics, bad news for car salesmen. Bad news for car salesmen because they don't have the inventory to sell right now, which, um, and even used cars is tough, but I do think technology has something to do with it as well. I mean, I, I have a Land Rover and it's 11 years old and it still has heated seats a backup mirror and camera. You know what I mean? It has like pretty much a lot of the same things that brand new cars have. So they, the new things that cars have now where I'm getting a little jealous are, I don't know if you have these cooled seats, cooled seats are the next level right there. And then like the backup cameras are just a lot nicer and bigger and brighter. And then of course, um, electric, you know? So as we move into electric vehicles, I'm curious to know, Oh, I'm curious to know how long gas vehicles stay on the road um, over the next over the next ten years. Yeah, it probably yeah. has a lot to do with efficiencies. You know, yeah. how efficient can they become? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, hey, Dan, let's talk about retirement real quick. Um, you've been in the industry for some time. Again, the 75 years of financial industry uh, experience here with Rex, Brandon, and Dan. What? What's the plan for Social Security? When when do you leave it versus an IRA or 401k? Um, do you ever not take Social Security? Like, how does that work? Well, you take it. Uh, always take it. Okay. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Um, you obviously take it because you've been contributing to it your whole life. Uh, and uh, in one other segment, I think, uh, podcast we talked about, um, is it going to be that? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. have some thoughts about that. And there is no political party on either side of the aisle who is going to be in charge when they cut social security. Believe me, nobody's going to do that. Yeah. So I feel comfortable. I mean, I'm 65, but I feel comfortable that social security will always be there in some form. Now there's some issues with it as far as funding it, but they will figure that out. If that's the last thing that they can accomplish in Washington. Yeah. So as far as retirement goes, uh, you've got to determine with a financial advisor, what's the best time? Is it 62? Is it 67 and four months like my full retirement? Or is it 70? When, when should you take that? And it is based on your income. It's based on other sources of income. 
It's based on your lifestyle, and it's also based on life expectancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, you look at your parents and uh, grandparents and, and think to yourself, how long did they live? Your grandparents probably didn't live as long as your parents, and you're probably going to live longer than your parents because of, of medical uh, technology and everything that's happened in the med- medical industry. But you should look and determine, I'm going to live from 84 on average or 86 on average. When should I start taking it versus how much other income I have coming from the divorces? So the key is sitting down with a financial advisor yeah. and, and doing that calculation. And then uh, one more shameless one yeah. more shameless plug to the financial planning. That is where it's so cool. We can build, like I said, build that financial plan, walk all the way around it, see see it as it is. And then we can just make tweaks, right? Change just social security and say, what does it look like if we take it at age 67 versus waiting till 70? And just look at the projections of your assets. What does that do to your 401k? What does that do to your cash flow? What does that do to all these things? And really just side by side, look at your comparison side by side, look at when you break even, right? Oftentimes people try and run a break even just like a straight line break even if I, you know, just take that money out of social security and put it in savings. Um, But really you need to be taking into account penalties, taxes, um, you know, income rates, all those different things. And a financial plan can do that and and set those side by side and, and really help you understand when is it most advantageous to take social security. Again, we're talking with Rex Baxter, Brandon Smith, and Dan, Dan Nelson. Planwithbaxter.com. For more information, go to planwithbaxter.com. We'll end with this question here. Brandon, what, um, and I'll, I want to get an answer from all three of you. What's the biggest misconception you've seen around what people believe in and think when, when meeting with your clients uh, about finances, finances and the financial industry? That's a good one. Misconception, I think, is that we can predict the future in the markets. And you just can't, right? <laughs> Anyone who thinks they know what's going to happen in the market, it, it just is, it's so, there's so, even if we had perfect data, all the data in the world, perfect analytics, we still couldn't pre- predict future variables. And, and so that's where it really comes down to when we build your, your investment portfolio, we build it such that, you know, if the markets go down like they did in 2008, we're still going to have enough safe money set aside that we can pull from and get us through that downturn and let the markets come, come back and, and let the rest of your assets come back. And so I think the answer always comes back to, in my opinion, because we often like to kind of like, you know, hedge our portfolios or, or get a little bit heavy in one or the other. But at the end of the day, it's so important to make sure that we always keep a portfolio built the way it's supposed to be built so that whether the markets go up or whether they go down, we're still going to have something to fall on and, and get through it. Yeah. Dan, what are your thoughts? What's the biggest misconception your clients have come to you with? I, I think the biggest misconception there is out there is they think that it costs way too much to talk to a financial professional. Yeah. In reality, it doesn't cost anything. Any, anyone can call any one of the three of us and say, I'd like to spend an hour with you and get some advice it would not cost them anything wow that first that's such a so, that's a huge deal yeah it is it is that's the biggest misconception yeah because you guys have been in the i mean 75 years between the three of you and you guys talk to each other you know uh so you know each other and if someone has a question you guys all you know can come up with the answer so 
Uh, it's free to free to free to reach out, uh, and then um, the way you guys make money. Do you want to explain how you make money real quick, Dan? Well, sure. If we if we engage the client in a financial plan or in a relationship where it's a long term relationship, we work out the fee or the structure of the fee going forward. But it, but it, it it always makes sense uh, on a net net basis. How much am I making on my investments versus how much is it costing me? We, the value that we should be able to add way outweighs the cost of, of working with a financial professional. For sure. All right, Rex, final thoughts. Uh, biggest misconception and anything else I may have missed on uh, the three of you. 75, 75 years of experience. That means you're old, Rex. 75 years of experience. That's a pretty big number yeah. um, when we were putting this podcast together. I think both of both of their points should you know, be very well regarded and taken as far as can't predict the future at, at all, as far as that goes. Yeah. And, and it's not too expensive to, you know, to, to talk to us. Matter of fact, it's probably the opposite. It's probably mm-hmm. too expensive to not talk to a professional. I think one of the other, you know, misconceptions out there is that they're better off doing it their own on their own is that, you know, they, they, Sometimes we'll run into people that think 75 years of experience and that they can learn it in 10 minutes on the internet. And, and I'll tell you what, with financial planning or investing, there's as much art to it as there is science to it. And, and the science is very studyable. It's very learnable. Um, art comes with experience. Art comes with understanding people's personalities. It comes with understanding how they behave during market upturns and downturns. It it comes with you know with with all that experience, we we have the innate ability to to pull on that to help guide you towards your goals and help guide you uh, to to be efficient in the way that you're managing your money. And so you know I wouldn't undervalue that experience in comparing doing going it alone versus using an advisor yeah all right excellent stuff that is uh rex dan and brandon here on the through the pines podcast for more information please visit planwithbaxter.com this has been through the pines reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams <laughs>